This is Oasis City Radio Music. This is Oasis City Radio Music. This is Oasis City Radio Music. Twenty-four hours a day at oasiscityradio.com. Tune in, iHeartRadio, and the Oasis City Radio app. This is Oasis City Radio music. Oasis City Radio. If your Bible is electronic, meaning it's a phone or a tablet or something, that's fine. Grab that too. I just want to, to lead us in a good confession over the scripture today. Uh, say, this is my Bible. These are living words. Because these are God's words. And I'll never be the same. In fact, today, my life is being changed. In fact, today the first Sunday of 2020, I'm going to learn from the scripture and it's going to make an impact on my year. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, the typically the first Sunday of, of a year or at least first or second Sunday, I teach uh, on fasting. And I know that sounds like a real exciting subject. Um, but what I have learned is that even though I teach that subject uh, annually, and this will be the eighth time we've done it as a church, um, I always learn something new, even for myself uh, and studying. And so today, regardless if you're a regular faster, uh, if you've never fasted before, if this is, uh, you know, you've, you've done it once or twice, or you've been a part of our TOR before, times are refreshing, um, I'm gonna encourage you, today you're gonna learn something because the word of God never fails. Never. And the word of God never returns void. And so today, even if it's information you've heard before, something in your spirit is going to connect to the word of God today. So I want to encourage you of that. One of the things that I learned actually uh, this week was how many times the word fast, you know, in fasting is mentioned in the scripture. I'd never really studied that before. Um, And I realized that fasting is actually mentioned slightly more times than baptism. Isn't that amazing? Uh, baptism is mentioned about 75 times in the scripture, and fasting is mentioned uh, 77 times in the Bible. Sometimes There's another instance, 78, depending on the, the translation you read. But it's just amazing. Like The, the word fast is is equal to baptism in just the, the, the numeric amount, the amount of times that God is talking about it in the scripture. So it's got to be something that God thinks is important or he wouldn't talk about it 77 times. Would you think about that? Um, and so in Matthew chapter six, we're not going to turn there, but there's 16 verses of one of the most famous passages of scripture from the words of Jesus. And in that, 
he's teaching us, his disciples, how to live. And he mentions three subjects. He's, he first off, he says, when you give, and then he talks about giving and how to give. And then he says, when you pray, and he tells us, teaches us how to pray. And, and there's several verses on that. And then finally, he wraps that sermon up by saying, when you fast, and he talks about fasting. When you give, when you pray, when you fast. It was something that Jesus looked upon as elementary, something that we all do, something that is not, it, it, it's, as, it's as often or should be as easy, I should say, that's a better word. It's as easy or as thought of as just praying, giving, fasting. It's a normal part of Christian life. And I know it's not the most fun thing uh, in the sense that you're actually sacrificing something, but it's so. F the, but the fun part of it is God partners with you and he meets you uh, along the way. Fasting is a habit of grace. It's a habit of grace. What fasting does is, is it helps you and I recognize the grace of God because we need grace to finish the fast. <laughs> we need grace to finish through. We need grace to start sometimes. We need grace on day three, day five. We need grace when we're tempted. We need grace to, to fill us up by, because when we are weak, we are strong. When we are poor, we are rich. And so the Lord loves loves leveling the playing field and allowing us to recognize that this is a good habit to be in. The habit of fasting, living a fasted life is something that allows us to be very dependent upon the Lord. One of the writers said that fasting is a gift from God because it allows us to have a greater awareness of his presence. And I look at, I've always looked at fasting um, as a tool. Now, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not a big, uh, you know, labor guy, hands and, you know, construction dude. Uh, all the construction guys make construction noises, you know. Yeah, okay. So, but I have a toolbox, you know, and most, most people do, and you have a tool. And it's a tool, fasting is a tool to get the job done. It's a tool that we use in our life. It's a discipline that we use just like prayer and just like Bible reading and just like um, devotion time to the Lord. It's something that we want to do, but it's also a great habit. It's also a great discipline. What I, one of the things that I think is really funny in this year, this particular year, um, in 20, well, last year, I should say, in 2019, um, there's, there's, a real, and it's been, you know, probably about five years or so, but I love when science catches up with scripture. Catches up, meaning that God knew it all along, and science is like verifying something that God said. It happens often, and sometimes science will come out, and, and it'll, it'll, they'll make a statement or a sentence that's like kind of maybe a going against the grain of Christianity, and we're like, no, God said this, and then it turns around and years later they come out with a new discovery and it's like well that was good all along and one of the things that's happened is is science is and and uh health magazines and gurus and and health coaches and all this stuff they're they're really exciting about this thing called intermittent fasting oh you've seen it you've seen commercials you've probably seen it on your social media feed as a matter of fact there's a few apps that want you to pay like 39 dollars for them to tell you don't eat something for 12 hours 
You want to charge me $39 to tell me when I should eat and when I shouldn't eat. I'll just don't eat for 14 hours and, and, and do that five days a week. You're, and, and science now is like, oh, it's the healthiest thing for your body. Fasting's been around forever, as if we didn't already know that. And, fa- and you know, and all these people groups have fasted. It's great for your organs, and it's great for your brain, and it's great for weight loss, and it's great for all this stuff. And God's like, oh, I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I'm the one who invented the thing. No, no surprise here. But, but in the, I remember like in my younger Christian days in the, you know, the 90s, early 90s and, and, and late 80s and stuff, or even researching and, and I've read articles that where science was saying, oh, fasting is terrible. And, you know, if you're dieting, you ruin your diet if you fast. You will go out of fat burn. You're, you will ruin your metabolism if you fast. I mean, science was saying all this stuff, health experts, the doctors, gurus, writing books. The number one thing to don't do if you're on this X program is fast because you'll ruin it all. And now it's like fasting's the coolest thing ever. It actually works better, and it doesn't cost you any money. So we have to invent a price for us to tell you that. Because all the other things cost you some money to lose weight. It always costs you money to lose weight unless you do God's way of fasting. Hmm. Wow, it's pretty interesting. But this fast is not about weight loss. Now, you might lose weight, uh, but that's what it's not about. As a matter of fact, if you make it about weight, then you've lost the plot, as the newsboys wrote. You, You lost. The whole goal, if you make it about weight, because it's, it's not about weight. Fasting is about us and our dependence upon the Lord. Look at uh, the book of Genesis chapter 2. In the very beginning, that's the word what Genesis means. In the very beginning, God said this in verse 16. The Lord commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Now this is in the Garden of Eden, the most beautiful place on earth, a place full of provision. And Adam and Eve were given basically everything and anything they wanted. As a matter of fact, the scripture says, everything that you see, you have access to, except for one thing. And God makes one tree and one fruit forbidden. And isn't it interesting that the first sin in the scripture is a violation of abstinence? God said, abstain from this. You can eat from every tree. You can partake in, you can swim in any river. You can do all this. But this one over here, I need you to abstain from. And the very first sin and the first temptation from the enemy was to tempt over the sin and a violation of abstinence. And get this, it was a dietary restriction. Don't eat the fruit. It wasn't like don't cross the border. It wasn't don't build your house there. It was don't eat the fruit. It was a dietary restriction. Abstain from that food. And wouldn't you know, that's why fasting and understanding it is real important. It's real important. It was from the beginning. We've always said it this way. A a diet 
will change the way you look. But a fast changes the way you live. And when you get fasting in the diet category, then, then you're off balance because it's not about that. Fasting changes the way you live. It's a habit of grace. And it's something that God wants to be a, a culture and a habit in your life. And it happens that every year we start the year off with at least 21 days of fasting. Two years ago, it was 40 days. So those of you new to the church came at the right time, I guess. Fasting is not about food as much as it's about separation. Separating ourselves from something God wants us to abstain from so that we can then join and become closer with him. It's a consecration time. It's a time and it's a way that God uses the humble ourselves. It's not a command in the old covenant, as many people would think. It's actually a discipline. Now, God would call a fast, but it's not part of the law. Fasting is not under the law. It was never given like the law. It's prescribed by God as a discipline. And God has had prophets call fast and leaders and church people, apostles have called fast. God uses fast from time to time and in different seasons to, to positively affect the body of Christ. But here's the thing. How many of you really enjoy holiday seasons? Like, you know, 4th of July grilling. And how come our holiday seasons always have to do with, like, overindulging, right? I mean, you know, so, and obviously Thanksgiving and Christmas. I mean, they've made those so close together. Couldn't they have spread that thing out? You know, I don't But... And so we have, you know, this overindulgence. But see, the Lord is amazing because he loves feasts. As a matter of fact, in the scripture, he called uh, three specific feasts. As a matter of fact, in, in Exodus chapter 23, he says, three times a year shall you celebrate a feast to me. And, it, and we know those, those feasts are the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, the Feast of the Harvest, and the Feast of the Ingathering, or otherwise known as the Feast of the Final Harvest. Um, then God des designated... Uh, more feasts in the scripture. And so God is a, a feasting kind of guy. And in the new covenant, I mean, it's a forever feast. I mean, the new covenant is the fact that we have rivers of living water continually flowing inside of us and outside of us. And that Jesus says, if you taste from my, my well, you'll never thirst again. We talked about that, you know, just a couple weeks ago. And so in the new covenant, the new covenant life is all about feasting. It's a forever feast. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It runs like a river. I mean, I mean, God is like, the, the feasting is so wonderful. So God loved feasts in the old covenant and he loves the feast that we have now in the new covenant. But sandwiched in between feasts are fasts. Life actually looks like this. Feast, fast, feast. Say it. Feast, fast, feast. That's actually the way our life is designed in the Lord. And the fasting part is so important because it resets us. It reminds us of even what the feast is all about. It reminds us of our dependency upon the Lord. And I just wanna encourage you in this time, embrace this fast. I know this year, like last year, we've given each week a different theme. I understand that. But you know, you can actually fast any one of those themes for 21 days. 
you're free to do that, right? I know it's difficult. You can fast negativity for 21 days. Imagine if you did that. You didn't listen to one word of gossip. I actually think that's the way God's called you to live your life, but, you know, that's beside the point. Um, but what if you just fasted negativity completely? What if you, you can't actually go off social media for more than a day or a week? What if you fasted the news for a while? I mean, all these different things. You know, what if you did, you know, the financial spending and such that we're, we're talking about. But right now, this week is food, and it's the tough one. Because it's always the one we want to make excuses over. Well, you know, my prescription says that I need to eat a ho-ho for breakfast every... Because it just feels that... But, you know, the, the salad doesn't really work. The ho-ho seem to digest that pill every day better. But it's always the one that we can make excuses over. So, but I just want to encourage you. Here's a couple tools that I use in my life. I mean, I uh, have fasted for many, many, many years. And I've, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm by no means, I mean, there are people that I look up to and I'm like, wow, I can't believe they, how, how they can live a fasted life like that. But I mean, I've just, you know, but I've been fasting for, for years and, and understand the principle. So a few tricks that what I do on the food portion is, I mean, because fasting actually means to go without food. And there's a lot of different food fasts that you can do. Uh, and, and even if you did a juice fast just this week, you just drank juices the whole time. Or even if you fasted one meal a day or you fasted two meals a day or you uh, did a water fast or, or maybe you did a, you know, a Daniel fast and you can you know, read that in, in the scripture. If you just did veggies, what, whatever it is that you do, we just want you to fast. We just want you to fast. We just want you to get in on it. But one of the things that I do uh, when we fast is anywhere that I normally eat in the house. So you have your spot, right? Like your chair that you sit in, right? Like you have where you sit for breakfast. You have, where, you know, at the, at the bar, at the, you know, in the kitchen, or maybe it's in the breakfast room, or maybe it's a dining room, or maybe it's, a, a, you know, at your desk, or where, wherever it is. You can easily, something that I do that helps me remind myself I'm fasting, is I just take a plate and I turn it upside down. Fasting is turning the plate over. It's, it's feeding on something other than food. So, so just leave a plate turned upside down. Every time you walk by it, you'll remind yourself, I'm fasting. Take a mug upside down. Take your beer glass, put it upside down. Or your wine glass or whatever. It is. Do whatever it is in your car. If you're always munching in your car, put, do something. Like, like put a note that says the two, two letters, N-O, in the cup holder. If you're always buying the large you know, whatever, Venti, whatever, or Slurpee or something, just, just N-O, you know, just drive through, drive by, don't drive through. So Jesus, he fasted for 40 days before he started his ministry. I think fasting is powerful. Before Jesus ever went into ministry, he fasted 40 days. And let's take a look at at this portion of scripture, because I feel like it is just, it's power packed with goodies. Matthew four, verse one. Then Jesus was led up by the Holy, by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. Now I would have been hungry a lot earlier, but he is Jesus after all. Verse 3, and the tempter came and said to him, 
If you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. Let's just pause right there. Jesus is led by the Spirit to the wilderness. He's already fasted for 40 days. And he's hungry. He's hungry. In verse 3, you see a very similar situation to Genesis chapter 2 that I read to you earlier. And it says, And the tempter came to him. Satan, known as the tempter. He's known as a lot of other things, the thief, the liar, the father of lies. But, but right here, he's known as the tempter. And the tempter came to him, and the first thing that he tempted the Son of God, who was hungry, was with food. If you are the Son of God, take these stones and turn it into something that you can eat, because I know you're hungry. He didn't tempt Jesus, take these stones and turn them into diamonds. Take these stones and turn them into gold. Didn't do that. Didn't tempt him with power, authority. Nope, nope, nope. He tempted him with food because he was hungry. You'll be tempted. Jesus was tempted. And you're tempted when you're doing the right thing. So Jesus answers in verse 4. And he says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus recognizes Satan, knows that he's the tempter. He is hungry. You can't deny the fact that Jesus is hungry. And the temptation was about food. And I know when he said bread, I can imagine his stomach started to growl. And he says, but man will not live on bread. Man will not live by what you're tempting me with, even though I know I need it. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, something happens when we fast because there's substance and energy you get that doesn't pertain to food. You are going to be fueled by something, by the Spirit of God when you normally would be fueled by food. And I think every Christian needs to, needs to have that sense where, where you understand the substance and the substance that God provides. That you need, to, you need to have that feeling when you're tempted and you're weak that you know that there's something more that we are to live by. And it's not just by the way our human bodies were designed by God. He designed us to have food. But He designed us to fast so that we would know our dependence upon Him. Take the plunge. It's better than the Nestle plunge. Remember that one? Let me do it. Take the fasting plunge jump on board. You can do this. And by that time in the next few minutes before I'm done speaking, I'm going to have you excited about fasting. My goal, just so you know, is to get you excited about fasting. I'm not a magician here hiding my secrets. No, I'm telling you, 
I want you to be excited about fasting. And if I can get you excited about fasting, I'll be excited about fasting. Because I can get grumpy sometimes, but I have an energy that doesn't pertain to my hunger. I'm excited about tonight when we come together and pray. I'm excited about next week. I'm excited about every opportunity that we have to start off this year, to hear from God, to implement things that we're learning, and to start off a new decade by fasting and prayer. I hear people often, I, I answer questions about fasting all the time, especially in this time of January. And uh, the, one of the, the most common uh, question I get is, well, Pastor Bill, you know, fasting is the old covenant and, um, you, know, you know, Jesus and the new covenant. And, um, uh, you know, I don't really think we're supposed to fast. It's just a feast and all that. And I, you know, and I, and I get the feast part and I get the new covenant part. But what I don't get is the fact that there are, there are examples in Scripture where people had to fast in order to get where God wanted them to go. Yeah, and, and it's in the new covenant. And even Jesus, he's like, it's not if you fast, it's when you fast. It's not if you pray, it's when you pray. It's not if you give, it's when you give. To Jesus, this was normal. And it wasn't just normal for until he, he uh, was crucified and, and, and then uh, the resurrection, there's no more fasting. Because as a matter of fact, take a look at Matthew chapter 9. In verse 14, then the disciples of John, John the Baptist here, he had disciples, came to him, Jesus, saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? So John's got us fasting. The Pharisees, they fast. Sadducees, they fast. All the religious people fast. Different religions fast. Pagans fast. How come, how come Jesus, we're all fasting, but your disciples don't fast? Jesus had an answer. He said, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as their bridegroom is with them. Can they? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. For three and a half years, the disciples of Christ did not fast. But as soon as the resurrection came and the bridegroom was taken... They be, that was the green light. Now we're going to live a fasted life. We're going to start fasting. The disciples understood that, took it so seriously that they actually did it. Take a look at Acts chapter 13, uh, verse 1. Now there were in the church, now this is the church, not the synagogue, so the church has been established. Jesus has already established his church in Acts. As a matter of fact, it was Jesus' idea. He's the one who said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So the church is in action. There was a church in Antioch. Prophets and teachers. Prophets were there. New Testament prophets. Teachers were there. New Testament teachers. Two of the fivefold ministry gifts. Barnabas and Simon, uh, who's also called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene. Hey, these new guys showed up, you know. Menin, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and what? While they were worshiping and fasting... The Holy Spirit said something. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, in other words, when you worship and you fast, you can hear God. Worship and fasting. They were together. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. That's a pretty important assignment here. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them 
and sent them off. Verse three, then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So they, they were worshiping and fasting and they heard God, instruction. Then they fasted and prayed more. Now, let me tell you something. Here's the key. You can't fast like in a minute. It's not a fast. You can't be like, okay, for the next five minutes, guys, we're not gonna eat anything. Then we're gonna pray for these guys and get them out of here. No, the implication here, when they fasted and prayed a second time, that it was days. A fast typically in the, in, in the scripture, the minimum is, is uh, three days. So we, we assume that they at least fasted three days. They could have fasted two weeks, could have been 21 days, could have been 40 days. We don't know the time frame between verse two and three, but here's what we knew. It wasn't in five minutes. It wasn't in 10 hours. They had to go fast and pray more. They heard the spirit, but then they fasted and prayed more. So look what happens when you get worship and fasting and prayer and fasting together. That's what's gonna happen tonight. We're gonna worship while we're fasting and we're gonna pray while we're fasting. And guess what, next Sunday night, we're gonna do it again. Cause why? Cause our fast is continuing. So we're gonna continue to worship in the morning and we're gonna worship at night and we're gonna pray at night. It's gonna be awesome. And then guess what? We can get, go another round another week. And this whole church, anytime we may call a prayer meeting on a, on a Friday night or a Thursday night and say, hey, we're just going to come and fast and pray. Because when we fast and pray, God does stuff. When we worship and fast, God does stuff. He does stuff that you don't see him do just when you worship or when you pray. Fasting is a key component in there. It's the way God designed it. You can ask him. Acts 14. That's just one page over, by the way. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church. Now that's a good assignment. They had to appoint elders in every church. That's an important thing. With prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord. With prayer and fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. When you're making important decisions, you need to pray, pray and fast. That's Paul and Barnabas, by the way. That's who they're referring to. So we see when important decisions are need to be made in a church, in the body of Christ, in your family, yeah. fasting yeah. is important. I was, had the privilege of being in a meeting in December uh, with Bishop Garlington and uh, our Reconciliation Board uh, team members because Bishop in October said, I feel like we can't go into 2020 unless we meet to pray. So I'm going to call the board. Now, Now that's not easy because the board lives in all parts of the country and internationally. And so uh, he had a meeting over at his house. It was kind of spontaneous. And we were there and we had, you know, big screens with, with uh, people. I love technology. We were able to have, you know, South Africa represented and, and other people that, that weren't able to fly. And they were able to be there right with us. Um, and it was hours and hours and hours of strategy because we needed to make some some decisions for 2020 and beyond for the, for the network of churches. And wouldn't you know, of course, you, well, I knew, but now I'm telling you, but I knew fasting had to come into the picture. So then Bishop, you know, in his quiet voice, you know, just a few days beforehand said, um, hey guys, we had our conference going, hey guys, uh, would you mind fasting with me? I knew it was coming. I was like, oh, I gotta be hungry in Pittsburgh while I'm strategizing. But that's God's way. And so we fasted and we prayed. We did feast. We, we started with a feast dinner and then we went into a fast. But it's amazing when we did what was modeled right here, that in two and a half days, 
wouldn't you know that the Holy Spirit spoke to us in the room and decisions were made and solutions were given to problems that were facing us ahead. Solutions were made on direction and where to go because we as a group of men and women, of leaders of, of churches and networks, we were able to come together and fast and pray and seek the Lord, not with our own plan or agenda, and just listen to the Lord while we met for eight, nine, 10, 12 hours on some of the days. And we fasted and prayed together and God spoke. What does God want to say to you this month for your life? And the thing is, not everything that he spoke has even worked out yet. We just, we just know the plan and we know the solution and we know the direction, but you know, we still have to go through life. We still have to get there. But what does God want to speak to you about your family, your future, your job, your career, your finances? What does God want to say to you? I'm telling you, church, get excited about fasting because you're going to hear the Lord. You might not get the answer to the to, to happening right now, but I'm telling you, after prayer and fasting, that's when the answers come. It always happens throughout Scripture. Jesus didn't get the answer during the 40 days, but he got there at the end. I'm going to say two more things. My favorite three words that describes fasting. said by a man who wrote one of the best mini books, little book on fasting who I've learned so much from an author named, and a famous preacher named Derek Prince and he says it this way fasting intensifies prayer if you want to know what fasting does, it intensifies prayer and that's exactly what's going to happen because Everything you're praying is going to be like prayers on steroids when you fast because of our utter dependence upon the Lord, because of our sustenance and, and, and substance and energy that comes from the Lord, because we don't live by bread alone, but by the word of God. And when God speaks, we're going to be energized and fueled with what he's saying. And our prayers will be intensified. Would you stand, please? And then one of my favorite homilies is entitled Until One is Committed by a man named William H. Murray. And we typically read this uh, throughout the year or every year, particularly, you know, particularly at some point in time in our fast. And today um, I want to read it together uh, for us because I believe these words are inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it's, it creates some unity for us to move forward. And just before I do, I would, I would like to get a pronunciation correct. Uh, and it is, I think on the third page, guys, if you just scroll it over to right there. Yeah. So in the second, uh, or that first line for you, that word that looks like goeths or gothies is actually pronounced Goethe. Say Goethe. So in this case, it's the possessive, so it's apostrophe S, so it's Goethe's. So Goethe's, say that. So when we get to that line, you'll say Goethe's couplets. Goethe's couplets, got it? All right, okay, now let's go back to the beginning here. Let's just allow the Holy Spirit to empower these words because what we're doing is we're committing to something and we're saying we're gonna see it through to the end. And somewhere along the line in the middle, God's gonna empower us. Let's read. 
Until one is committed, there is hesitancy, the chance to draw back. Concerning all acts of initiative and creation, there is one elementary truth, that ignorance of which countless ideas and splendid plans. That moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves to. All sorts of things occur to help one that would have never otherwise have occurred. A whole stream of events, issues from the decision, raising in one's favor all manner of unforeseen incidents and meetings and material assistance, which no man could have dreamed would have come his way. I have learned a deep respect for one of Goethe's couplets. Are you in earnest? Seize this very minute. Whatever you do or dream you can, begin it. Boldness has genius power and magic in it. Only engage and then the mind grows heated. Begin and then the work will be completed. I encourage us, commit to this fast. And together, let's see what God has in store for Oasis City Church. Amen. God bless you.